swing on down to Ricky's place Where the girls are refined and the men have good taste A subtle joke, a touch of class Poured in a tall martini glass Let's swing on down to Ricky's, down to Ricky's place Welcome to Rick's Martini Bar. This is Jerry McCarty here with Rick Farmlow in Oregon. How's it going, Rick? It's going great. It's raining and cold. Isn't that odd? That's great. Well, it's... Can you believe it? It's cold and raining. Oh, well. We have a special guest today and a special episode because we have the great Bill Moomy here. And uh, thanks yeah. for coming, Bill. Well, it's good to be here. It's real good. <laughs> That's right. I was just about to tell you that it's, you know, it's real, real, really good to have you on. <laughs> We're going to have nothing but positive, happy things to say for the next 20 minutes or so. Yeah, that's right. That's the plan, anyway. So far, so good. That's right. At the end of the episode here, I'll give you both get-out-of-the-cornfield-free cards (laughs) if you play your cards right. Nice. Or perhaps you'll both be saying, oh, the pain. The pain. (laughs) And Bill Moomy, for those of you that don't know his, you'll know some things about him, but you don't know everything about him, is... Right. Most famous for playing Will Robinson on Lost in Space, but that was just three years, 65 to 68. But but before that even started, he had five years in, under his belt in the business. And after that, an author, a screenwriter, a musician, I don't know all the instruments he plays, but we're going to hear all about it. But but first of all, one of the things that I admire most is all the cool people you've worked with. Before you even got in Lost in Space, just tell us a little bit about some of those those people. Wow. Well, it is it is a good list. Let me let me think about that. Off the top of my head, there's Walt Disney and Alfred Hitchcock and oh, Jimmy Stewart and uh, Bridget Bardot. I was the first actor to get an on screen kiss from Bridget Bardot. Oh. Jack Benny, Bob Anybody Hope. Heard of though? <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah, the list is pretty good. It, it, I can go on and on here with with that stuff. And you were in, and 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 I learned stuff about you. I I didn't know you were in Papillon, but you're in Papillon. Yeah, I've spent Steve several McQueen months in Spain and, and Jamaica with those guys. I could I could fill a half hour with Papillon stories. Uh, that was that was actually one of my first experiences in uh, realizing, in terms of showbiz, that you know sometimes you can uh, end up on the cutting room floor pretty much. Yeah, I was there for several months. And uh, they were shooting the script that Dalton Trumbo was writing uh, as the pages came in. And I believe when uh, all was said and done, they'd shot five hours of film. Wow. So uh, Franklin Schaffner, the director, had to trim it way down, obviously. And so the bulk of the Moomy bits (laughs) were exorcised from the project. Dustin uh, Hoffman was so great. Dustin was great. One of the amazing performances. I'll I'll tell you a very quick Papillon story. Day one, we're out on this boat, and it was pretty heinous. It's this prison boat, and it was Dustin Hoffman, Steve McQueen, myself, and uh, Don Gordon, an actor named Don Gordon. We're sitting out there. No one had really gotten familiar with each other yet, so we're stuck out on this boat all day. We're talking. So uh, Dustin says to us, 
how he prepared for his role. He played a counterfeiter in the uh, vintage golden right. era of right. France. So he says, well, you know, first I learned everything about French uh, <laughs> money. I got very familiar with all of the different papers and inks they used, and I figured that as a counterfeiter I was making a lot of money, so I got into the vintage costumes of the day wow. and the material, and I created these, uh, as I thought, as a counterfeiter. My vision would be bad from working so much with them. So I created these lenses here in order to wear these thick lens lenses. I have to wear contact lenses to do this. I also familiarized myself with the music of the times oh. and, and, the, and the, the wines of the era. And he goes on and on about wow. all the minutiae of how he prepared and, and really learned the whole culture of France in that point. And McQueen looks at him <laughs> kind of disdainfully and simply says, I read most of the book. <laughs> Right, Most of it. And you could see from that moment there were two camps here. Uh -oh. It was like Mick and Keith. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, there yeah. was just a whole different vibe between them. They were they got along fine, but it was like two completely different oh, approaches yeah. to to acting. And and they both turned in excellent performances in the film. But that was quite a yeah. wake up call on day one. That is amazing. Well, first of all, how the heck did you get started at five years old? <laughs> um, <laughs> Decide to come down and you know to, I, uh, I was Hollywood. I was an only child. We lived here in West L.A. My parents got married pretty late in life. Um, I broke my leg playing Zorro and Superman when Ooh. I was four years old. Jumped off the bed. Williams. Yeah, who played my father <laughs> and lost his face. But it was it was emulating Zorro and Superman. That I, I broke my leg and I had to sit in a cast for a couple of months. I couldn't run around. And uh, we didn't have, of course, you know, DVRs and things like that in those days. So I would wait for the Mickey Mouse Club or the reruns of Superman and Zorro. Yeah to come on the air. And somehow or another, seeing those two caped adventurers on TV just really pushed a certain button within me. And I said, that's what I want to do. I want to get in the TV, and I want to be like Zorro or Superman. Yeah. And I bugged my parents to do it. My, my grandfather who had passed away before I was born, Harry Gould, had been a, a successful agent in the 30s and early wow. 40s. Frank, uh, I mean, he had gotten... Boris Karloff, the Frankenstein wow. job, and that was probably really? his, oh my god, that's awesome! Yeah, that was probably his most high-profile acting client. But he had a lot; of, he represented a lot of writers and directors in the, the golden age there. But the point was, my my mother's side of the family wasn't intimidated by, or impressed with, or afraid of show business. She had worked as a writer's assistant at uh, 20th Century Fox for 11 years before she married my father. So. We lived, you know, near the studios. My mother's family had been a part of show business peripherally. And I really did want to do it and had that energy and, and the look, the little red hair and freckles. So my mother wisely uh, signed me up to be on uh, Romper Room, yeah. which was a, a nursery school sure. television show that, you know, civilians, yeah. <laughs> you didn't have to be an actor. You were just a regular kid. But she was smart to, yeah. to do that because she wanted to see if I was comfortable under the lights and the cameras and everything. And I was. Uh, and I stayed for two sessions of Romper wow. Room instead of one. I guess I was a good doobie. <laughs> and uh, I so I was, com I was comfortable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, one th you can't escape your destiny. We got an agent, and uh, I started working quite a lot. That's great. Hey, well, that's a great uh, intro for our next segment, but we got to take a break. So when we come back, we'll hear more great things from Bill Moomy at Rick's Martini Bar. Swing on down to Ricky's place Where the girls are refined And the men have good taste 
Hello and welcome back to Rick's Martini Bar. This is Jerry McCarty and Rick Farmlow here with the great Bill Moomy. And we had this all planned out how we were going to do this segment, but I still haven't asked one of the questions I want to ask about your start, and that's the uh, the Hitchcock and the Twilight Zone stuff. Uh huh. I did three of the Alfred Hitchcock Presents shows and three of the original Twilight Zones. And one of the best things about my early work. <laughs> not that I was an old man by the time we got to Lost in Space, but um, not being tied down or committed to a television series, I had the great opportunity to go from a, a heavy drama to a sitcom yeah. to a western to like a Disney thing to a psychodrama. You know, I really got to play the sick kid, the mean kid, the good kid, the bad kid. It was, it was a great training ground to work with so many wonderful different directors and actors. You know, I watched watch, there's, there's a television station that's just kind of near it's called Me TV, and they show nothing but old TV shows. And I watch it like every night. I'm in Portland, so I come home and I'm at the hotel, and I watch it every night. And you are on every, almost every single show that's on. Yeah, I, I, I get a lot, <laughs> I get a lot of messages. Wish, you're on every you're on every single TV show in the '60s. It's unbelievable. You show up everywhere. Yeah, I I, I, I tune into Me TV once in a while, and there'll be a Perry Mason with me, or a fugitive, or yeah, a bewitched, or right. a dream of genie, or a monsters, or yeah, it's yeah. nice. It was it, I had a good time doing it. I really did. Um, one and, thing I wanted to ask, one thing I wanted to ask you is um, one of my favorite Twilight Zone episodes ever is one called In Praise of Tip, and that's where you and Jack Jack Klugman. Jack Klugman plays your dad. And right. that's like one of my favorite episodes. And I, I, I just wonder if you had any, any memories of working with Jack Klugman who just passed away recently. I, I do indeed, and I always have. First of all, I'm really proud to be a part of that. It's uh, really the first American television show that deals with American um, casualties in Vietnam, written by Rod Serling. Right. Um, yeah. Part of that episode was filmed here uh, at the Santa Monica Pier at a, at a right. I at that, an amusement yeah. park that was called Pacific Ocean Park, which was not far, you know, five miles maybe from where we lived at the time. Right. Normally when I worked, you know, uh, on location or on the sets, my mom would come with me, but on, on the nights that we, we shot outside at the uh, amusement park at the beach. Uh, both my parents came to that shoot. And I recall uh, Jack... And, and, of course, again, I think I was mm, nine when we did that particular episode. I'm sure I was nine, actually, when we did that. So I'd been working for four or five years already and, and was a veteran of everything. But um, uh, Jack Klugman walked up to my father and my mother, and he said to them... Now, you know, um, when I see your son, it's like a, a dream come true to me. It's, I'm, go I'm going to get so excited that I'm really going to grab him and kiss him and hug him and slobber on him. And I want you to know ahead of time, there's nothing weird here. <laughs> but he, he, and, of course, he did not need to do that. It was very generous of him, and, and, and he didn't need to explain that he was going to be very, you know, a display of emotion and get physical with me in a loving way. Um, but it was, it was just really gentlemanly and sweet of him to tell my father that, you know, if you see me kissing your son, don't get uptight. It's, it's my character's reaction to seeing my, my son come back as a child. And uh, he, we had a really nice time. To segue just a bit, my son, Seth, when he was very little, did a handful of films. And one was a Gary Marshall movie called Dear God that Jack Klugman was in. Oh, yeah, and yeah. we went to... Gary Marshall was a guest on our show. Ah, funny great man. Guy, great very guy. funny man. Anyway, we went to the, the, the rap party for that film, and uh, Jack Klugman was there. And, and, and 
and he and I reconnected and reminisced about in praise of Pip. And we were both very proud of the fact that it has been remembered so well. And, uh, and we both felt really good about working with each other. And it was a very nice reconnection there. And, and he was a great, great actor and a wonderful, wonderful man. Yep. Great. Well, let's get to, really to, to, to Lost in Space. So you get that great opportunity to, to be part of that Lost in Space, which nobody had ever seen anything like it. It was before 65, before even before Star Trek. Yeah, we actually started filming the pilot January 1st. Wow. So, I mean, the deals and everything had been made earlier, later, you know, in 64, late 64. And then we started filming the first of the year. And for me... Uh, as I said earlier, you know, it, it had been a good thing, a real good thing, <laughs> not to have been tied down to a television series. But yeah. when Lost in Space was offered and came along, it was exactly what I oh. wanted to do in the first place, to be a little superhero. Yeah, they showed you the, they showed you those aluminum foil suits. Oh, man. Those were awesome. I love, <laughs> let me tell you something. I loved being Will Robinson. I still see all of those people quite often. And I would go back to playing that character today. <laughs> If the opportunity presented itself, I really, uh, I never had a bad time with that. I bet, you alum- I bet you those aluminum foil suits are pretty hot under those lights, though, right? You, you know, the, the first season, they were really, really heavy and stiff, and they were made out of canvas, and uh, they were incredibly uncomfortable. We all had ironing boards with little arms put on them that we would just stand up and lean back on because <laughs> you really couldn't sit in a chair because it was so tight. It would kind of cut your air off, and it was really stiff. But for the second and third seasons, um, they made them out of, like, nylon, and they became quite cozy. But they looked great. You know, the initial... They looked... You're the greatest on Judy Robinson. Yeah, Judy. <laughs> and Marta Kristen is still a beautiful, beautiful lady, oh. inside and out. Um, but, you know, what Irwin Allen was really good at was he really put a lot of money into the pilots and props and development of his, his early shows, you know, uh, with John Williams doing the music... Yeah. The Jupiter 2, the robot, the chariot, they were wonderful props. Um, then he yeah. got cheap as things <laughs> progressed, you know. We used to share a soundstage with Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, another one of his shows, and some poor, yeah. Yeah. poor stuntman in a wetsuit that they'd put some bad monster face on, <laughs> you know, in, in green would come out of the set for Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, and they'd spray him orange and bring him over to us. <laughs> well, here, here's what I remember about uh, uh, those two shows, two great shows. I love both those shows, uh, Lost in Space and Voyage by, by but both of them had the same thing. Whenever the spaceship got attacked or the submarine got attacked, lurch, <laughs> the camera would turn yeah. sideways and everybody would run to one side yeah. and then it would turn the other way and everybody would run to the other side. I had a lot of fun lurching for three years on Lost in Space. Yeah, everybody lurched on Irwin Allen shows. And that's a giveaway. That's great. That's great. Well, we have to take another break and when we come back, we'll hear lots more from Bill Movie. Down to Ricky's the girls are refined and the men have good taste. We are at Rick's Martini Bar, and I, I have to do a, uh, a plug for our guest, Bill Mooby. His new um, CD out is called Until the Big Bang Whimpers, and he's got this is probably your fifth. Oh, no, it's more like my tenth. Tenth? Oh, gosh. <laughs> i got to finish the collection. There you go. KTL only has five. I seek and you shall find. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of, we ended up last segment about, you know, life after uh, TV, and you certainly had a 
great life doing uh, uh, voiceovers. I love working as a voiceover yeah. artist. It's it's really been one of my most favorite uh, arenas of show business to play in. When I was really, really little, there was a series um, called Bob Clampett's Beanie and Cecil. Yeah, right? I used to know Bob Clampett. I was, I was actually friends with Bob Clampett. He was the first guy... An animation I ever met, so I knew him pretty well. Well, that show aired on a on a television series called Maddie's Fun Day Funnies, and yeah, I, Maddie, I, I yeah, was Maddie, Ma- I was Maddie Mattel when I was six years old. So I I, I was oh the God. I was the host of that series uh, when I was six. Um, so uh, I always was as a little boy. You know, I did quite a bit of voiceover work, and then uh, that stopped when I really started doing the on camera pretty much nonstop. After five years on the television series Babylon 5, at the end of the 90s, I played an alien on that show, so it took like several hours to glue this foam rubber to my head to become this uh, linear from the planet Minbar. And after we did uh, five seasons of that, I was kind of tired and burnt out. So the opportunity to get back into voiceover seemed like a really uh, nice place to to be. And I ended up narrating... um, I think it was 55 episodes of biography, and I was the voice of in Farmer's Insurance for 11 years. That was an amazingly good wow. gig. And I've done quite a lot of animation since then. And it's uh, it's just a great, great arena of show business, much less stressful or competitive, you know. And it's so much fun to, to go into those cartoon uh, shows and, and just see these great people yeah. who can do so many amazing different sounds, you know. It's, it's, it's like jamming with virtuoso musicians. That's great. You know, and, and I remember in, ni- in the 80s, and I don't know the year, but... I remember you playing in Detroit. I saw you play with America. Oh, yeah. And how did you get hooked up with those guys? I've, I met them their very first gig in L.A. in 1972. We had some, a mutual friend in common from England that they knew. And uh, we, we both, uh, we all liked each other. Um, they moved here to this city. And I had a band that was called Redwood that was recording at the record plant. Uh, and they came to see us and ended up using uh, the record plant and our engineer, Mike Stone, for their next couple of of albums and we've been friends ever since i, I actually talked to to jerry beckley uh 20 minutes ago before coming right. in here. That's great. yeah they're on the road great. they're still sounding great and if you get the chance that to was, see america that was the first so album i ever bought Do you remember the first album you ever bought the first album money. i ever bought with my own money i believe was del shannon's little town flirt wow yeah and then i bought all of the kingston trio records when i when they came out when i was a kid but uh yeah i think the first one or it might have been jan and dean take linda surfing nice that's a good first one <laughs> yeah that's great and how did what, why'd you get interested i know you know there's some of the lost in space you played guitar absolutely sitting on a rock and yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah no i started playing when i was 10 and i always brought my uh, guitar to the set in my dressing room and when we were shooting the pilot to Lost in Space, Erwin Allen was like, hey, that's a good idea. We're doing this campfire scene. And he <laughs> she said, do you know any public domain songs? He didn't want to pay a license. Yeah, right, he didn't want to pay a sync license. <laughs> but uh, so I did. I think 
I played Green Sleeves in the pilot, and then later on I played uh, Sloop John B. And uh, I just kept on going. I got better. I hope. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a uh, that was a lot of shows and uh, would do that. Well, uh, you were on Ozzy and Harriet too, and three that, times. Yeah, three. And, and Rick Nelson would always do that at the end of the show. Oh, it was so much fun to sit there and see <laughs> Rick Nelson with the great James Burton with that red Telecaster. I, that was yeah. the best part of the show for me yeah. to sit there and watch those guys lip sync and play. And okay, this is the question I got to ask you: How many guitars do you own? About seventy. Seven, seventy. Yeah. Okay. Well, that has, that that the follow up question was going to be what are they? So we'll forget. Yeah. That. <laughs> and, uh, what's, your, much, what's your favorite? Oh, whichever one I'm writing or, yeah. or recording with at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I go through phases. You know, I I, I could do an hour on each model That's for awesome, you, but I try to. Are you a Gibson all guy, a Fender guy? I, a, yeah. Yes. Yes. Taylor yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. I, I I love them all. Like Gibsons, Fenders, Gretches, Epiphones, oh, Rickenbackers, Martins, Taylors. I I. I have a little of all of them. That's great. That is so good. Well, I can't tell you how great this was. We're at the end of our time. And once again, get that CD. Get the whole set of Bill Mooney CDs. We could talk about, you know. Yeah, we should do this again sometime, guys, because there's certainly more to talk about. And fish heads and all sorts. Oh, yeah. Fish heads. Oh, gosh. I love that Give me another martini and we'll start talking fish heads. Martinis in the cornfield. (laughs) My daughter is 15. And I told her that I was coming to see you. And I said he wrote fish heads. And she loves that song i had to play it for her before i there came over and i mean i'm like how in the well, world then you're definitely she, out of the cornfield she knows she knows fish heads <laughs> there you go yes it, it's tattooed on the id of society <laughs> whether you like it or not that's right well it has been a treat for us and uh bill thank you for being here and uh all the best in the future you got this cd anything new exciting coming up that we want to i got a new comic book coming out this year oh, he writes comic books too i do i do um, <laughs> lots of things coming up you can you know i, I go to the billmoomy.com and you'll find out more than you ever want to know billmoomy.com we got to do that Thank you, guys. It's Thank you great. kindly. Thank you, so much. Thank you so much for coming on, Bill. We really, really appreciate it. I had a good time. And we'll see you next week at Rick's Martini Bar. Cheers. Bring us down to Ricky's place. Where the girls are refined and the men have good taste. A subtle joke, a touch of class. Poured in a tall martini glass Let's swing them down to Ricky's down